For some of them, it's a second look or a third look or pick a number. They're looking at the historical person of Jesus of Nazareth. And so I ask the question, why do his life and teachings still generate such interest even today? To begin with, everything about him was totally unique. The prophecies of his coming, his birth, his life, his teachings, his miracles, his death, and especially his resurrection. Mark this down. That is history's most significant event ever. The validity of Jesus' claims about himself rests on the resurrection. Your very faith, the Christian faith, rests on that one cornerstone. Whether he rose from the dead or stayed in the grave. Now, many skeptics say that to believe in a risen Christ is nothing more than a a blind leap of faith with, with little or no basis in truth. But when they're confronted with the facts, those who are intellectually honest have been forced to admit that the resurrection is an historical event based on irrefutable proof. i got to tell you that on my spiritual journey, which has gone on for longer than we'd like to remember, I, I freely will admit to you this morning that from the point of knowing about Christ to the point of faith in and commitment to Christ... I, like many people, and perhaps many of you here today, had a problem reconciling this whole idea of the resurrection. But the resurrection sets Christianity apart. And by the way, let me just say this as a foreword. If you're still in that place, you're not here to be judged today. And I'm going to say more about that. Because it takes a little while for us to really get that to set in. The resurrection sets Christianity apart. No other religious leader has ever broken the power of death or conquered sin. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ ranks as history's most revolutionary event. One cannot deny that he shook the world in his day. But his life just has, has dramatically has shaped and is shaping the course of history in our time, even now. And the resurrection is the final proof that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be. And so I'm turning, asking you to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, and I'm asking that this not just be our scripture of the day, I'm asking that this be your Bible assignment for the week, and I'd like you to all read that chapter once or twice this week coming, just to solidify all the things that you're going to see and hear today. Oh, by the way, good morning. morning. And welcome. This is a wonderful and grand Easter morning, and we're so glad that you're here to share it with us. So a message for you this morning entitled, A Lot of Wondering. So in your Bibles, or your Bible app, or your Bible gateway, or whatever you're using, let's turn to Luke 24. We'll also have it on the screen for you. And let's read, I'm going to start to read at verse 1. If you'd like to read with me, you're more than welcome to do that. 
Luke 24, starting at verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, notice while they were what? Suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like the lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is not here. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners and be crucified, and on the third day be? Then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like I don't know if you've ever had that response, but I've tried to share the gospel with people before and gotten that same response. Oh, that's nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away. He went away to himself. What had happened? A lot of wondering. True or false? Fact or fiction? Fiction or non-fiction? These are the questions that plague us and that plague us here even this morning and which plagued the women and the disciples 2,000 years ago on that what we'll call the first Easter morning. Had Jesus really risen from the grave Did the women tell the truth? Was this just an idle tale? What's going on here anyway? And as I said, there was lots of wondering because right there in the verses you read, in verse 4, it says, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Down in verse 12, it says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over, seeing the stripes of linen lying by themselves. He went away, wondering to himself, What had happened? In the 28th chapter of Matthew's gospel, down in verses 16 and 17, we hear these words. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Story's nice so far, but look at these words. But some doubted. And in John's Gospel, chapter 20 and verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So if you doubt, if you're an honest doubter, or you wonder, or you struggle, or you can't quite grasp it all, not to worry. Not to worry. You're in some mighty fine company. You're not the first to doubt. You're not the first to wonder. And you certainly won't be the last. Here's a quote worthy of your notepad. And if you're taking notes, I'll repeat it just so you get it. 
The resurrection of Jesus challenges every idea about reality. The resurrection of Jesus challenges every idea about reality. The women went to the tomb early in the morning. As a matter of fact, even before the crack of dawn, they were going to finish preparing the body of Jesus for burial, and they brought the spices that were needed. But they wondered, how in the world will we ever get that big stone, that rock, away from that hillside uh, uh, burial place? And how will we ever get into that tomb? And how will we ever even get to see the body? And when they got there, they found the rock. It had already been rolled away, and the body's gone. I wanted to remind you that all that time, supposedly, it was being guarded. Say, well, I don't know if that's a miracle or not. Yeah, I think it was a miracle. It was under heavy guard. And all of a sudden, two angels appear in dazzling clothes and say, what are you doing? Why are you in a cemetery looking for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He is risen. And guess what? He's gone. That makes my heart jump. Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee? You have short memories. He said the Son of Man will be delivered unto sinners and, and, and he's going to be crucified. Terrible thought, I'm sure. That, that didn't even register. And on the third day, he's going to be raised again. And then, you know, Mary, she thought to herself, and she thought, oh, yes, 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 I do remember those words. I remember wondering at that time, how could that be possible? But then... I thought, why not? He raised Lazarus from the dead. He he raised uh, Jairus' daughter. He raised the boy at Nain. These people were all dead, and he brought them back to life. And this is indeed possible. I have to hurry now. I must hurry and tell the others all this wonderful news. So Mary rushes back to the other disciples and excitedly she proclaimed, He is risen! The tomb is empty! The angel even told me so, that Jesus isn't here! He's risen! And the other disciples said this to her. (laughs) They just stared at her. Open-mouthed amazement. Peter wonders to himself, well, Mary just told us that Jesus is alive. I want to believe it, but I know it can't be true. How can somebody who was dead come back to life again? I didn't see Jesus die personally, but John told me about it. And the words that Mary brought from the tomb sound kind of familiar. I do kind of remember those being spoken before. And I think Jesus said something about that or like that. And I think he said it not just one time, so he might have wanted us to get a message. Oh, I wish I would have paid more attention to him. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if this really can be true. I know what. I'll go to the tomb and check it out. So Peter gets there and sees the tomb indeed is empty. And still... This gets me. This makes me wonder about Peter. Still, he goes away wondering. He wanders that Judean hillside thinking and wondering and fighting with himself 
and wanting to believe but not being really sure. So he just goes on wondering and wondering and wondering and wondering. So as Peter wonders and he struggles to believe, finally little bits and little pieces start to unfold in his understanding, and he finally moves toward believing to a point where he said it's true. He has risen. It's as he said it would be. I hoped it was true. Now, you know that story. You may not have heard it told quite that way before, but the story of the resurrection has been passed on by generations for over 2,000 years. (laughs) It has withstood the test of time. It has withstood the test of the doubts and the doubters, the disbelief and the disbelievers, the unfaithfulness of many, and the total indifference and apathy of many others. Did you know, just to lighten the mood a little bit, that in a very humorous and accidental way, our own federal government even believes in the resurrection? Yep. In Greenville, South Carolina, not too long ago, the Department of Social Services sent out this interesting letter. I won't give you any names or addresses, but here's what it read. Dear Sir, your food stamps will be stopped effective immediately because we have received notice that you passed away. It gets better. May God bless you. It gets better. You may reapply if there is any change in your circumstances. Listen, I read that and said, I think Jesus could reapply, don't you? But you know the truth is many of us are like Peter. Come on. We don't believe wholeheartedly like the women who came back with the message. They just couldn't wait to tell it. And we're kind of in between that and the disciples who don't really believe or those who don't believe at all. Because even though we're hearing it now, some of us for the hundredth time, we're still wondering maybe. Could it really be true? Has he risen from the grave? Has there been a change in his circumstances? Should we notify the government? We are perplexed like Peter. I love this. Listen to this statement. His heart wants to believe, but his reason wants to doubt. If you're a sincere doubter this morning, God bless you. Your heart wants to believe. It's your reason that you can't get around. And once those two link up, and once those two agree and are reconciled, things will change drastically for you. Peter most emphatically believed in Jesus during his earthly ministry, yet he experienced doubt and turned away when he denied him three times during the whole crucifixion resurrection time. To Peter, Jesus was still in the tomb, and he couldn't picture yet a resurrected Christ. Hey, let's let's just not be too tough on Peter, okay? Because it's okay. It's okay what he was thinking. Some years ago, a new pastor was called to a spiritually dead church. And I'm not going to ask you how many have ever been in one or how many are in one this morning. But (laughs) it's in a small town in, in the southwest part of the country. 
And the new pastor, bless his heart, he spent the first week calling. I had a, some people here or somebody here uh, at the Friday night service, and they said, I'm in a very, very small church, maybe 25 people, whatever. I said, that is not a small church, that's a big church. First church I ever pastored, I remember the day we hit double figures. We didn't just hit double figures, we got her all the way up to 14. <laughs> now, laugh if you will. That was huge. Anyway, this pastor, so I know his heart, I understand his situation, he spent the whole first week knocking on doors, calling as many of the church members as possible, inviting them to the first Sunday service, come hear me, I'm the new pastor, blah, blah, blah. But the effort failed, and in spite of many calls, not a single member of that church showed up. So, week two, the pastor places a notice in the local paper stating that since the church had died, the pastor was going to give it a decent Christian burial. And the funeral for the church would be held at 2 p.m. on the following Sunday. Morbidly curious, the whole town turned out. (laughs) In front of the pulpit, there was a large casket smothered in flowers. After the eulogy... The pastor invited the congregation to come forward and pay the respects to the dead church. And the long line of mourners filed by. Each one peered curiously into the open casket and then quickly turned away with a kind of a guilty look. For inside the casket, tilted at just the right angle, was a large mirror. And each one saw his or her own reflection in the mirror as perhaps never before. And quite honestly, this is still what happens when human beings allow the living Christ to confront them where they are right in their sinful condition. And so on this special day, we're called to make a choice. We're called to bring Christ into our lives and to let our lives be made whole again by his resurrection power. Not by the magic of preaching, not by the, the, the power of a local church, not by programs, not by attendance, not by any of that man-made stuff. Only by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me assure you, dear friends, it's okay to wonder at first, at first. It's okay to be hesitant at times. But then we must reach that point where we move on to a response. So here in our story, in Luke chapter 24, it seems to indicate that it's with hesitancy that Peter begins to believe in the resurrection. This didn't happen all of a sudden and then bang, he was a true believer in the resurrection. And it seems to be with hesitancy and and, and some wondering that you and I believe in the resurrection as well. Anybody who heard that and believed it, lock, stock, and barrel, the very first time they ever heard it, can really process things quickly, I'd say. And all the more power to you, and God bless you for it. I am not in that category, and many of you know me could figure that out. 
Only as we begin to see ourselves as we are and recognize our own need for the life-changing resurrection power of Christ will we experience that life-changing power which will lead to spiritual wholeness, which will lead to a life of eternal nature. And that's what it's all about. So let's walk it back. Let's walk it back. 2,000 years. And this is the morning. And you're there. Yeah, you're standing beside that empty tomb. What would your reaction be? Would you rejoice and share your experience with everybody who would listen? Would you be looking for reasonable and logical answers? I've already got my explanation, and I'd just explain it away. Or maybe would you see that I think he is alive. And I now know that he has power to change my life in the process of my believing. And I don't want to be caught up in a lot of wondering. So let me say, if I haven't already shown this to you, wondering is okay. Say, well, I'm here today and I'm just kind of wondering about all this stuff. I like church. I like the people. I like what's going on. I like to try to walk by faith the best I can. I try to be a good Christian. I'm blah, blah, blah. But I'm still struggling with that. And I'm still wondering about the resurrection. And it's so unnatural. (laughs) Thank God it is. Because if it were natural, we could explain it. When we hear about the resurrection, it may take some time to comprehend. This is an amazing story, Luke 24. You want to red mark it in your Bible if you do mark your Bible. We may be at various stages of the belief process. We, we might come right out and say, I just don't believe it. I believe everything else. And some of you may be stuck in that wondering stage for a long time, or maybe a long, long, long time. On one hand, you want to believe, and on the other hand, you're afraid to. It's been said that there are four stages of belief that most people go through. First stage is thinking that it's like a fairy tale, or what we call the impossible-to-believe stage. That's just a figment of your imagination. That's just a fairy tale. Can't believe that. You tell that to anybody, ordinary man or woman on the street, they're they're not going to believe that. That's phase one. And we actually may live in this stage for a very long time. I know people that have lived pretty much their whole lives that way, and I guess they're going to finish out that way. Just going about their everyday life as usual. No pressing reason to believe. I'm getting getting along okay. I'm looked after. Many of them kind of straighten up after a calamity. Some don't. Some Those things don't even get to them. Once in a while I go to church, but hey, I've heard all that stuff before time and time again. But it really doesn't touch me. It doesn't touch us personally. Yet Christianity claims this, and I don't adhere to all those things in Christianity and all the tenets of the Christian belief. So that's one I just can't understand and I just can't explain. So I'm just not really there. And then someone else says, well, I've heard it, and I've thought about it, and I've read some stuff on it, but I just don't know. I mean, I've got to be honest, Bob. I just don't know. 
Or someone else will say to me, I thought it through and I've given up because I think it just doesn't matter much. And so we're hesitant to believe, and that creates a lot more wondering. Speaking of hesitant, I remember the story of the hesitant driver. Uh, Perhaps you've all met this person, or maybe you've been this person. That hesitant driver who's waiting for traffic to clear, coming to a complete stop on a freeway ramp. That doesn't get your attention real quickly, real quickly, does it? And then the traffic starts thinning out, but the intimidated driver still waited. Hesitant, 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 hesitant. Finally, an infuriated voice yelled from the car behind, the sign says yield, not give up. <laughs> Let me say it again. It's okay to be hesitant. It's even okay to wonder. But listen to me. After a while, we need to move on and make our response. So second stage of belief is one day something happens. We decide to check out the facts. We wonder about a lot of things. Maybe our life has taken a, a different turn. Maybe we've experienced a crisis in our life, or maybe we've had a wake-up call of some kind. And so we start checking out the facts. And we start seeing if that crazy preacher down at Faith Community really knows what he's talking about. And does this really happen this way? And inch by inch by inch, we start moving forward to faith. And even while we're doing that, can I get your attention? It's still okay to wonder. It's still okay to try to reconcile the heart and the reasoning. It's still okay. But eventually, eventually, we need to make our response. You say, I don't know, Bob. There are so many unanswered questions. Can I just tell you this? I've been on this journey for almost 60 years. And I still have more unanswered questions than I do answered questions. I don't get it all. Just when I think I've got it together and start packaging it up, I run out of wrapping paper. I'm thinking, I've got to go back and think this through again. So you're sitting there today and you're saying, man, I've got so many questions, I wouldn't even know where to start, and I don't think you'd know where to start to answer them. Maybe it's difficult for you to believe the facts that we found. You see, Peter wondered in himself at that which had come to pass. It had already happened, and he went away. And when he went away, as I read that Bible, and I read that portion a few times this past couple of weeks, I thought, he went away, but he wasn't much the wiser. The Bible says he's still wondering. You say, Peter, how much closer to your nose do you need these facts? Wondering. Well, I'm still wondering. There's a lot of wondering. 
Next, Peter moved beyond the wondering stage into the third stage of belief, and that is encountering Jesus personally. So he moved beyond the wondering stage. Thank God. Peter wondered, and he struggled. You say, I've been struggling with this. I don't, hadn't thought much about it even until you brought it up again today, of course. Thought I'd go to church on Easter Sunday and we'd have a happy time and all. There you go, bring it up. But let me tell you about Peter. He encountered Jesus personally. Things really started to change. And he wondered and struggled, but eventually he encountered Christ personally. And it was then that he was able to accept the fact of the resurrection. You know, there comes a point in our lives when we need to assess the facts and remember what we've heard. We need to put the pieces of the puzzle together and take those pieces and make them fit. What do we make of all of this? What is still unanswered? What is our problem with an empty tomb? What is our problem with all those witnesses who say they have seen and they have heard and they have eaten with and they have witnessed his presence? It might seem like a lot is missing, but... Take the step of faith. And that's what moved Peter forward, nothing else. Peter didn't isolate himself from the others who were also wondering. Matter of fact, he showed up on the night of the resurrection. They were all assembled together. They were still stunned. They didn't know, well, is this really happening? What's going to go from here? What are we supposed to do? Will we go back to our trades? Will we, do we have a ministry now? And when Peter showed up, a lot more evidence was presented to him. How? How? Well, Jesus appeared. On the night of the resurrection, he came into the midst of the, the disciples. And let me tell you, it was the same Jesus that they knew before the crucifixion. He showed them the nail prints in his hands. He showed them the scars on his side. He showed them the marks of the crucifixion. And don't you think they were many? Even the risen body carried the proofs. He had the same voice. And they all recognized that this is Jesus. The resurrection appearances were not illusions that were, were induced by wishful thinking or hocus pocus. The facts made such an impression on them that they were convinced that they had seen their Lord. Their faith was confirmed. And at first, you know what they thought? They thought they'd seen a ghost. What would you have thought? What would I have thought? That's 2,000 years and I'd probably still be running. But now they knew it was the Lord himself. There was one disciple who doubted, and I've always defended him for doubting, because he was thorough, and he teaches us a lot of theology just in that transaction. But finally, Thomas comes to the point where he says, My Lord and my God. By the way, he was invited to touch the hands and the side of Jesus, but he never did it. He didn't need to, because he had a personal experience with the risen Christ. I believe that this is the greatest expression of faith. Thomas's confession is the greatest expression of faith shown anywhere in the entire Bible. And there are a lot of good ones. That's the one that I think is the most powerful. So whatever it takes, you know, we come to church, you read the scripture for yourself maybe, you pray, 
Uh, you share with other people. You allow the Holy Spirit to illumine your understanding. And the more you take steps to respond, the more you're going to be able to experience the reality of the resurrection for yourself right there in your own life. It's not a once-in-a-while event. It is a continuous process, my friends. And I'm not talking here about progressive salvation. This is not a leap out of what we believe into some new theology. I'm talking about your strength growing and developing and getting stronger for you. Let me tell you the fourth stage of belief. We commit to Jesus and we devote our lives to serving. And can I just use Peter again since we're all familiar with him? That is when Peter began to really understand this thing. That is when the resurrection started to come alive. And it was so meaningful to him, and it was so powerful to him that it just directed his thoughts and his actions and almost everything about him, and he'll do that for you too. Because we move beyond the wondering stage to the belief stage. Where are you? And we continue on to live out his resurrection power in our life of service. And at the end of the Gospels, we see Peter, he's being reinstated for service, and he's commissioned to go out and proclaim the Gospel, and don't stop. And in the book of Acts, he's equipped by the Holy Spirit to carry out the work Jesus had called him to do. Talk about a total transformation. Talk about a man going from wondering to wonderful. Talk about a man who thinks, this couldn't happen, I don't believe. And this isn't really natural, and I don't know how to explain it to a man who was touched with the power of the supernatural and went out to serve Christ in a powerful, powerful, powerful way. You see, the miracle of the resurrection took place in the lives of people who didn't believe at all or who were perplexed. And if they were followers of Jesus, and up to that, that point, that's what people were, You have to get the context of these things. The resurrection took place in the midst of people who either didn't believe at all or were just merely followers of Jesus or interested in his ministry. And when they even heard of the resurrection or the possibility, they did nothing but wonder. And we see this whole thing turning from those kind of people the people whose lives and ministries are totally transformed. They move from being weak and ineffective people to powerful and effective messengers of the good news. Now that's exactly what the resurrection can do for us today. So I want to ask you in all seriousness, and I just want to be sincere as I ask it, and I don't know who I'm asking this to, and if it falls on your shoulders, then take it seriously and take it personally. Having heard this story, what will it take for you to believe? 
You may be here today simply because it's Easter Sunday, and we are thrilled to have you here. I say this every Easter and every Christmas. We do this every week. And when someone else comes in, or someone new comes in, or someone that we know comes back, or somebody we've invited accepts him, I'm telling you, we're thrilled to have you here. Easter Sunday or no. But you've just made this day a whole lot more special for us. And you maybe just feel in your heart, well, I'm trying to do a good thing today, and I wanted to be part of an Easter service, and, and, and you're still wondering about it all. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I give you permission. <laughs> just keep wondering if that's what you need to do. You might be part of that crowd that says, I remember the things. I think I learned them. Probably in Sunday school when I was a little kid, or in a catechism class, or in, in vacation Bible school. Might have, might have learned them at home, somebody reading to me. I don't know. I, I've kind of heard this stuff before, but I've got to tell you, Bob, it's never really been real to me. It's never really been personal to me. And, 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 and I'm going to have to put myself in a category, Bob. I, I want to believe, but I still wonder. See, the heart wants to believe, but the reason wants to wonder. And that's fine. You may have gone to, listen, you may have gone to church all your life. You may have a perfect attendance ribbon that would reach around the equator and be sitting in a service like this and it still not be real to you. That's, that's understandable. I would say this, though, if that's the case, you've done a lot of wondering. And now it's time to take the next step. I wanted to use one example before I close my message. I wanted to use one example of someone that I have read extensively, that I know lives an impeccable life, that when you mention his name, people that know the name know that this is the best of the best of them. You may never have heard of him, and that's fine if not. But let me just tell you, John Wesley, yeah, he was the best of the best of them. He was so earnest about his Christian faith, and he was so methodical, methodical about his, his devotional life, his time with the Lord. Matter of fact, he was so methodical about it, people called him a Methodist, and the name stuck. It wasn't until he was about 35 years old and he was meeting at Eldersgate, and that Wesley experienced God in such a way that he was able to write these words, and I quote, I suddenly felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt that Christ had died for my sins, even mine, and had saved me from the law of sin and death. Unquote. John Wesley needed to know how much God loved him. Look, John Wesley, the best of the best of us, he needed to experience for himself the true power of the resurrection of Christ. And he did that that very day. And he and the people who followed him for for years and years and years, right up to this day, have lived off of that example. 
What will it take for you to believe? Let me just review it. Maybe it's just assess the facts. You have facts. Say, well, I never have had. You got them this morning. And if you're not sure where to find them, just go back to Luke chapter 24 and read that chapter. And I suggest you read it a couple times in the coming week. And then take the first step toward the risen Lord. That's what Peter had to do. Hmm? That's what Thomas had to do. I'd like to have seen that because Thomas started towards the Lord and he never touched him as such, but he just fell down prostrate before him and said, my Lord and my God. I think Thomas became one of the most powerful of all the disciples. Not as much as written about him, but when you look at his history, when you read about his life, you see that this is a man that was 100% totally, totally given over to Christ. Why? Because he was willing to take the step toward the risen Lord. And if you're still wondering, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Move forward in your wondering. Don't be where next week where you were in your wondering last week. If you're going to keep wondering, at least make some progress. Huh? Because once you get to that point where you say, this just might be true. You're going to reach that particular apex and you're going to say, Lord, I believe. I believe. That is the jubilee day for you. That is the crowning day for you. Lord, help my unbelief. Maybe you need to make an experiment of faith. Maybe you need to try it. My old Pentecostal friend used to say, you know, it's better felt than tell. Maybe you better just try it before you discard it. I mean, if I start to read the Scripture and I start to pray about my concerns, where will the risen Christ meet me, Bob? I don't know. Where will I begin to understand and see that transformation take place? I don't know. That's yours. You need to meet him and interact with him on a personal level. And for those who have already taken steps of faith, maybe you did a long, long time ago, where are you now? Are you experiencing the reality of service to him where each day and each week you just seem to be growing in, your, in the knowledge and the grace that he provides? Or are you, are you just stuck? Or are you just, you see, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Nobody just stands still in this life of faith. Because it's a life of faith. It means action. It means motion. It means momentum. You have the inertia. You have the Holy Spirit. You have what gets you started. And that's what needs to keep you going. And for those who have taken that step of faith, and I, I don't know, maybe you know when it was. Maybe you're precisely, uh, you, be, you could precisely tell me what age you were or where or what. Well, that's fine. Well, I want to ask you, where are you now? Where are you now? Are you growing in grace? Are you growing in the knowledge of Christ? Are you empowered and energized by the Holy Spirit to carry out the task that he's called you to do? Not me, you to do. The resurrected Savior, I'm going to answer your question now, meets each of us at our point of need. 
and he'll do so today. He'll do so in the days ahead. He'll do so in the weeks ahead. He'll do so in the years ahead, God willing. You just need to allow him to make his presence real to you. I'm not here this morning to defend the doctrine of the resurrection. That's a fact. Historical fact, theological fact, any other kind of fact, scientific fact. I don't care what you want to throw at it. That's a fact. It needs no defending. But please remember, please remember, in the love of God, it's okay to wonder. But eventually, though, it'll be time for you to move beyond the wondering stage. And when you do, you want to prepare to respond to the question, what will it take for me to believe? God bless you. Enjoy this wonderful Easter day. And let's continue to worship our wonderful risen Savior.